Hello, welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. I'm Doug, pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church based out of Shelton, Washington. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. I want to thank you for tuning in today. We are a spirit-led, beloved, affirming community of faith, growing closer to and more like Jesus for the sake of the world. You can learn more about faith at our website, www.faithshelton.org. So happy Father's Day. Let's read about a fishing trip. Let's use a tennis analogy. I'll tell you a mountain climbing story, and we'll start with a golfing joke. Years ago, my college roommate Jake and I were out golfing one summer afternoon outside Greeley, Colorado. The front range is famous for late afternoon storms that bring wind, rain, hail, and lightning. As this storm quickly blew in, other golfers scurried into the clubhouse, but my friend Jake just kept on going, calmly walking the course, carrying an iron over his shoulder. It's a one iron, he explained to me, and even God can't hit a one iron. Grab your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 35. And let's read a fishing story. This one also involves a storm. A reading from the Gospel of Mark, the fourth chapter, beginning at the 35th verse. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up. The waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And here ends the reading. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So why do the disciples cross the lake? Well, to get to the other side. This story of the boys in the boat takes place early in Jesus' public ministry. It may have only been a couple weeks since Jesus had hand-selected this team of young men called disciples. These were teenagers for the most part, and they had spent most of the day doing crowd control in the hot sun along the waterfront. There were people everywhere, parables, cold pastrami sandwiches for lunch. Now the sun's going down and Jesus suggests that they call it a day and cross to the other side of the lake, the Sea of Galilee. Well, no sooner than they that they set sail that two things happen. First, a storm whips up, and second, Jesus takes a siesta. Now they're far from shore, I suspect, when they hit this microburst, water swamping the boat, which you may recall was probably not the most seaworthy of vessels even by first century Palestinian standards. There's a lot of yelling and bailing. Matthew, the tax collector, leans over the side of the boat and offers up to the sea that pastrami he ate at lunch. Ew. No one has a one-iron handy either. One of the disciples finally jostles Jesus from his slumber, incredulous. Jesus Christ, don't you care whether we drown? And Jesus opens his eyes. 
The Bible says he rebukes the wind and says to the waves, I imagine him like a librarian. He offers the waves a stern shh, and the waves stop. I imagine he starts singing, rain, rain, go away, come again, another day. And because he's Jesus, it does. The wind dies down. Everything's calm and quiet. The boys in the boat finish bailing without saying a word. They secure their gear, get the boat back on course. They're, no, they're afraid more now than they were before. Our daughter, Hannah, played tennis in high school back in Hamilton, Montana. She was pretty good. She took lessons from a local coach named Ed. What made Ed a good coach was his ability to help Hannah identify her strengths and to notice when things were off just a bit. You seem to be avoiding your backhand, he might say. Or you seem to be distracted. What's going on in your head right now? He was able to ask her these questions to help her, to help her recognize what was getting in her own way, to help her be the best self and achieve her goals. As a freshman in high school, she challenged for the state championship. The next year, the school got a new coach, and things didn't go as well. The new coach asked the same questions, but did so with an attitude of condescension, disappointment, anger. Come on, Hannah, why didn't you use your backhand? Get your head in the game. What's wrong with you today? These accusations, these questions only made it worse, made her more tense. She soon lost her joy of tennis, and by her junior year, she had quit the team. She played rugby her senior year instead. In college, she had to settle for being a four-year NCAA Division III All-American rower with the PLU crew team, a proud parent. Now, I tell you about Hannah's experience with Coach Ed because when I imagine Jesus with his disciples in the boat after the storm, I think about Coach Ed. Like Coach Ed, Jesus isn't mad at the guys for being scared. I don't think he's surprised either. I think he wants them to do their best. I think he wants them to process this experience and learn from it, to learn about themselves, to learn about him, to learn about each other. Why are you afraid, he asks them. This isn't a, this isn't a, a, a punishment. This is a, this is a question. Let's process this experience. Let's learn from it. I mean, after all, on the one hand, they all survived. Jesus wants them to recognize they made it through. Why should they be afraid? They showed resiliency and strength. They worked together. They had successfully weathered this storm, and that was something to be proud of. A good coach helps us recognize our victories, our progress. But the storm had also exposed some places where the disciples were vulnerable, unprepared. Brenda and I once were invited to a uh, summit, Mount Rainier, with a friend of ours who had made the trip several times. Well, we trained hard for the attempt, and while we were physically strong enough, on the trip itself, we had neglected to bring a couple of key pieces of gear. One of the stoves we had broke down. We both lacked confidence and experience with the ice axe and the rope, and we didn't sleep well at all. And so when the storm clouds came, I wasn't up to the challenge, and Brendan and I descended without having summited the mountain. Well, the disciples learned a lot about themselves in this storm. 
The physical storm was one thing, but the spiritual storm, the primal fear, the burden of keeping everyone on the boat safe, the surprising lack of faith in a time of crisis, it was eye-opening for them, and it showed them what they still needed to learn. They also learned about the true power of Jesus to calm the waves and quiet the winds with a mere word. The storm itself was an occasion to grow in faith. Because storms happen all the time, right? I mean, there are actual storms, weather events, climate changes, record heat waves in the United States. But there are other kinds of storms too, relational storms, conflicts with family members, health storms, hospital stays, pulsed forms, economic storms, housing prices continue to rise, jobs offering a living wage remain scarce, and the political storms. The media is more than happy to tell you about those. One wing of the media will tell you to be afraid of vaccines, cancel culture, and critical race theory. The other wing of the media will tell you to be afraid of climate change, white nationalism, and voter suppression. Storms about whether to get vaccinated. Storms about whether masks are an act of service or a mark of the beast. Life is full of storms, right? And life is not about avoiding storms, but about weathering them about learning from them, about getting to the other side through them. It's true in sports, it's true in work, it's true in relationships, and it's especially true in faith. Followers of Jesus are called disciples. Discipleship requires discipline, experience, learning from our mistakes, the formation of our character, the development of resiliency. No one understands this better than the Apostle Paul, one of the early church leaders. He teaches again and again that the goal of church, the goal of faith, is to train ourselves to grow up, to gain maturity and experience, to learn what it takes to weather the storms of life, and to train others to do so as well. This is what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 11. He says the gifts uh, he gave were some that, that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. That's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. That's a great passage. Please look it up and, and, and read it over and over again. But here's the gist of it. People of faith, you're to be commended for weathering the storm that is the COVID pandemic. It's been a long time out in this pandemic water, and the waves are still crashing, but we can see the shore on the horizon a little farther, a little longer, masks a little longer. What is important, as important now as ever, is that we hold on, that we work together, that we stay in the boat here with Jesus, that we trust Jesus to lead us and to calm the waters. 
In the meantime, what can we do to prepare ourselves for the next storm? That's the question for, for disciples of Jesus. What do we need to do to prepare ourselves for the next storm? What have we learned about ourselves this year? What's gone well? What's been leaking? What do we need to uh, do to be physically, emotionally, spiritually ready for the next time we need to get into the boat? What equipment do we need? What skills are helpful? How do we navigate the winds of doctrine, the trickery of talk radio, the deceitful schemes of the powers that be? It's about growing toward maturity, growing closer to and more like Jesus, is how we say it around here at Faith. How we speak the truth in love, how we promote the health of our neighborhoods and the growth of our church family how we equip the saints for ministry, how we don the whistle and clipboard to coach and teach the next generation of disciples. That's the next leg of the journey of faith for this congregation. Are you ready? Probably not. But we have a great coach, an important mission, and we have each other. So what could possibly go wrong? Let me leave you with four takeaways. First, I want you to give yourself some credit. You, all of us, we've weathered a pandemic, the likes of which hasn't been seen for a couple of generations. We may be all wet and worn out. We're still afraid, but we made it. Or at least we're almost to the other side. And for that, I say, well done. Pat yourselves on the back, after you use hand sanitizer, of course. So give yourself some credit. Number two, reflect on the last year. What have you learned about yourself, about others, about God? What is something you can begin to do now that will make you more prepared for the next storm? And there will be another storm, right? Physically, emotionally, spiritually. Are you taking care of yourself physically? Are you tending your relationships? Are you growing in faith? Are you using the tools that are available to you to, to learn to trust God more, to listen to God's voice, to care for each other. Reflect on the last year. Number three, let's work and pray together as a church family. As we get ready for the fall, what kinds of things should the church put in place to equip the saints, to build up the body, to make disciples? What would help you grow in your own faith? And what would help you help others? As we get together over the next couple months to plan for the fall, let's share our ideas. Let's put our heads together. Let's imagine. And fourth, if you are facing a storm right now, I don't know if this analogy works or not, but let Jesus be your one iron, right? Let Jesus resting on your shoulder, or maybe us resting on Jesus' shoulder, Grant us strength and confidence as we lean into the storm. And may the peace of Jesus calm the waters and calm your heart. Jesus is the Lord of wind and rain. And Jesus does care. And Jesus will bring you home. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Happy Father's Day. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Subscribe to this podcast any way you listen to podcasts. Thank you, Chaz and Emily, for your production work. Thank you, people of faith, for your love and faithfulness in the storm. And may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. 
May God look upon you with favor this week and give you peace before, during, and after the storm. Amen.